Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to another installment of Battle Red Radio. I'm your host, Colt Molesky, and we've got a treat this week getting ready for the week seven game for the Houston Texans taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. We have a, a longtime buddy of mine. He's been uh, a television reporter for many years. He's a lifelong Raiders fan. Brennan Scarborough joins the show. Brennan, this is this is just the dream, having us talk football together on a Absolutely. show. This is, the, this is what it's all about. Colton, I don't think there's two people who are more excited to talk about one-win teams in the NFL than us two right now. We're bringing the energy, even though the teams we're talking about probably lackluster performances in store on both of their ends. All of the podcasts that I've listened to kind of glance over this game. This We're the only guys that are going to be talking about this game in depth as much as we probably are. So, You know, you know what this is? This is us. We're the car where all the other cars are driving around the massive pothole. And we're just yep. ju- driving straight in. We got right. head over, head over tea kettle. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. And we're like, hey, you know what? Why not? We got new shocks. Let's test it out. Let's see how our car does right through the pothole. We don't care. The guy said the suspension would hold. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I got you know, a couple speak- patches in the tire already. Why not? <laughs> speaking, speaking of massive potholes, let's talk a little bit about the, the Raider fan experience right now. Yeah. Uh, how many cameramen would you shove over to get a couple more wins as a Raiders fan? Um, at least a few more. <laughs> and and the, re- the reason being is that if you look at the Raiders games, they're only losing by one score. All of their games are within a single score. And it's like the Raiders can do this. Some of the games are could have been a field goal. The Titans game could have been a field goal. The Chiefs game could have been a field goal. The Cardinals game, they lost by the fumble. Um the fumble at the end that went for a touchdown, but that game could have been a field goal as well. So, so many of these games, the Raiders are in it. And that's the frustrating part. Like they don't suck because they're a bad football team. They suck because they can't execute. And that's what makes it infuriating. I went through earlier this week, because this is what you do when you cover the Houston Texans is you figure out where you rank in all the bad teams. And they rank right there with the Texans where they're not a Panthers. They're not, a truly garbage team. And they're not a team like no. the commanders or the bears where they're bad teams that you don't even like watching the Raiders and the Texans are interesting, bad teams because they're going to keep it close. It's going to be one score games. There's going to be facets. There's going to be quarters that you really love. There's going to be quarters that you pick out of the season that you absolutely love, but then yeah. there's going to be quarters and for the Houston Texans, it's usually the fourth quarter that makes zero sense. There's no rhyme or reason to some of the play calling. They look horrible. They can't stay on the field. And that's where you lose those games is in those horrible quarters. And so they're, they're these frisky teams. There's these teams that are going to be entertainingly bad, but mm-hmm. they're both that makeup, which I think will make for a very 
a very weird but also entertaining game. I, I 100% agree. I think the Raiders exemplified that in the game against the Cardinals. Two quarters of playing picture-perfect football to start out. 20-0, to zero, defense is doing well, offense is doing well, and then they just crap the bed coming out of the second half. And it's just like, what are we doing here? What's going on? Uh, same thing with the Chargers game in opening week. St- very stagnant getting out of the gates. That might have learning getting Devonte adams in the mix that a little bit of learning and then the second half they're roaring you know so i think if either of these teams i, I feel like it's a whoever makes the less least amount of mistakes you know which seems silly but like a team like kansas city they can make a lot of mistakes and still win football games Absolutely. the raiders and texans the raiders and texans cannot make those mistakes so i feel like this will come down to who doesn't make the dumb you know boneheaded play at the end of the game that will cost their team, you know, or, or in the second or third quarter, whenever I feel like it's whoever can make the least mistakes come out of this on top. There's a lot of differences between the Texans and the Raiders. I think the biggest is that they have the same amount of wins, but the expectations going into the season, obviously very, very big, very big in difference of expectations, Raiders versus Texans. My question for you is, do you just wake up thanking God every day that the Russell Wilson debacle is happening in your division as maybe the biggest smokescreen for your team in NFL history? Colton, I, I want to say that my level of pettiness is as soon as all of this started happening and everyone was crowning the Denver Broncos, the Raiders have swept the Broncos for, I think it's at least two years. It might've been three, but we've beaten the Broncos quite a bit in the past few years. And when they started crowning the Broncos, you know, second, third place, maybe first place, I I started sending tweets to myself so I can have them at the end of the year. So I got a nice little honey pile of tweets ready to be like, Hey, at old takes exposed. I thought Russell Wilson was supposed to be the second coming of Joe Montana. What happened? Nope, not at all. I, yes, I am very happy to see, uh, yeah. Broncos country, not riding. I, I do enjoy that. Well, I mean, first of all, I don't know if you have to hold those very much longer with the amount of Kennedy assassination jokes that I'm seeing in relation to the Broncos ride. <laughs> but yeah. I also I also think it's interesting that the this division, I mean, the Chargers, a, a really popular team to go deep into the playoffs this year, not having any prior success with this group constructed of Chargers. Uh, you have the Broncos, who they have these rosters where you think maybe they're just a quarterback away. They add Russell Wilson and all the stuff that came with him from Seattle. They're supposed to be a contender. And then you have the Raiders who are supposed to finally have all of the pieces around Derek Carr, and they're supposed to be headed for the playoffs. And none of those teams really look like they're ready to make any sort of any sort of run. So I guess, where does that put you as a Raiders fan as far as a panic scale? Does that mean that you are, you know, you're feeling actually okay because the division isn't running away from you or is it still, is there still a level of panic there? I'm going to say there was a couple tweets that came out right after the Raiders lost their last game. And they said the Raiders after the bye are going to have six games where they can win. I think we play the Seahawks. We play the saints we play obviously the Texans. Um, we play the Colts. We play the uh, the Broncos again. All teams that I think we can beat. Even the Chargers. I watched the last Chargers and Broncos game and stepped away, being like, 
I think the Raiders can win, can beat both of these teams. They've beaten the Broncos. I definitely think they can beat the Chargers. And they hung with the Chiefs. Now, they've done that in past years where the next time they get blown out. But the Raiders can compete with anybody in the AFC West. And that's, like I said before, part of the infuriating part about it is that they're hanging around with these teams, even good teams. Also, not only looking from the other side of it, the Houston Texans side of it, if you look at how far back they are from first place in the AFC South, it's not that far back. I know that it's like, hey, odds are we don't win this. But when, you know, the Colts, who haven't looked that great, and the Titans, who could be a little flimsy, like, I think both of these teams, like, there's still hope. You know what I mean? Even if there might not be, we let us still hold that hope, Colton. That's 100% true. That said, I do really think this game means a lot more for the Chargers. I mean, you look at, or excuse me, the Raiders. You, you yep. look at... You look at how the expectations they had with the fact that this division isn't putting them uh, out of contention by any means with teams like the Chargers still kind of in neutral, the Broncos being maybe the the worst team in not even the division, but in the NFL as far as strategic football and game time decisions. And so they're still in it and they feel like they need to win these games. The Texans, I mean, they came into this just trying to figure out which young guys are going to be the guys that hang around long-term on this roster, what they actually have going into a really quarterback-heavy draft this next draft. And so if you're looking at stakes for these teams, I think the Raiders kind of come in with a little bit of that desperation of a team that has a bunch of games lined up that are must-win games as they Mm -hmm. see it. And so – if you're if you're laying money on this game, I think you probably go Raiders mostly based on that. Yep, and I would also say like the other part of that is, um, you know, the Raiders hanging around. Like I said, with pretty good teams, they can hang with the Chiefs. You know what I mean? Um, the Cardinals, who we just you know see saw beat the Saints. Um, you know, they they hung with that team. They're they're pretty good in their division. They can hang with these good teams, but can you beat the bad teams and beat them kind of convincingly? You know what I mean? And that's what separates you. If the Raiders only win this game by three or just like, not saying that seven would be bad, but like if you don't win this by at least two scores, if not a little more, you still might not be in that upper echelon, you know, of teams that you'd like to be in. You know what? We're going to make some picks here in a couple of minutes, as well as we've had guests in in previous episodes do this. So I'm going to make you compare this game to uh, an alcoholic beverage of choice. What does this make you think of if you're ordering at the bar? But first, uh, I want to get into some some matchups in this game that I think are really interesting. But uh, before we even get to all of that, I just wanted to get into a little bit of what do you think the makeup of this game is going to hold? The Texans really like to play kind of that slobber knocker style of low scoring football. They've got really great. They're still one of the top five teams in the NFL defensively as far as their red zone percentage. They don't let teams score touchdowns in the red zone very often. They're really have that feel of a bend don't break defense surprisingly decent at getting pressure even though they don't blitz as a defense on the quarterback so with all that said they really want to make this a 20 to 13 type game I think that's not what the Raiders want do you think the Raiders have the ability to control the pace of this game now if we talked about this three weeks ago I would have said no, 
But after seeing what Josh Jacobs has done against the Broncos and after seeing what Josh Jacobs has done against the Chiefs, where even the Raiders were kind of at the point in some of those games where it's like, hey, we're going to run the ball and there's nothing you can do about it. Your defensive tackle, his butt is going to be in the linebacker's face. That's how far back he's going to be, you know. And Josh Jacobs was absolutely able to do that. Hopefully he's able to do that against this Texans team. Uh, That will be a big part of controlling the pace of this game. Darren Waller looking that he won't be playing this game. Um, So we're going to have to see a lot of, you know, receptions going to Matt Collins, a lot of receptions going to Devontae Adams, a lot of possession receptions, you know, to keep those sticks moving. If they're able to do that, and if that connection has improved with both of those receivers and Derek Carr over the bye week, I think, you know, I think, yes, they could absolutely control the pace of the game. But again, it's just a lot of, you know, mistakes and and limiting those. The Raiders have had over 10, I want to say, offensive line combinations because they're just trying new guys out because of injuries, Leatherwood getting traded at the beginning of the season. So the Raiders are still trying to figure out their offensive line, which is not great at weeks six, seven in the season. Not a good look to be in. So hopefully, you know, and they've, they've had a lot of false starts. They've had a lot of holdings, issues with players getting moved around in those positions. So limiting mistakes, getting their wide receivers in rhythm. And if Josh can do what he's been doing. Well, the upside, the upside for you is that you're going against the fifth worst defense against the run in the NFL. And they're allowing the fourth most yards per attempt on the ground in the NFL. So if this is a game where you need to set the tone by running the football, that's absolutely what the Texans are going to allow you to do. Now, whether that translates to touchdowns in the red zone, I'm not 100% sure, but you're going to be able to get yards. You're going to be able to move between the 20s. Uh, and that kind of that kind of starts to look at that first matchup that I was uh, alluding to earlier was one of the things I'm watching, Josh Jacobs, who he's been solid, but I don't know if anybody expected him to be one of the top five most productive running backs this season. Yeah up against a bad front four or front seven in the, in the Texans defense. Uh, What, what yardage are you looking for, for him to grab for this to be a win? Cause I feel like if he puts up, I think if he has like 115, 120 and, and a touchdown, I think that probably if I'm seeing that, I'm probably assuming that the Raiders have won. I would have said, I was going to say the same exact thing. I was going to say 120 yards. And I think that's just because, you know, Josh Jacobs is not a long run, like long runs. He's not going to be like Jonathan Taylor. Dalvin, He's not going to gash you. He's not going to gash you. That's not what he does. But what he does do is he runs a really hard eight yards, a super tough 12 yards, a tw- like a, a 12 yard run. I don't know if you saw against the Broncos, like he bounced it to the left, spun, broke two tackles in the middle, ended up running for like 25 yards. He does that. He's very strong, but also super shifty, breaks a ton of tackles. Yeah. So if he gets 120 yards, he'll probably do it on a decent amount of carries. And it's like, oh, he was just gashing them for six yards to run. I love that kind of running from him. John Riggins type stuff. He feels he feels a little, he feels a little Derek Henry-esque mm-hmm. where he's just mm-hmm. going to like, kind of beat you to death with three, two, three, four yard runs. Uh, and when he starts like busting stuff open later in games, it's not even the the 30 yarders you're worried about. It's just those drives where he has like four 10 yard runs that really hurt you. 
Yep, absolutely. And it's just like when there's times where like, oh, we got him in the backfield and he makes a guy miss. Oh, and he makes another guy miss, ends up for seven yards. There's been so many times where it's like a Derek Carr dump off and I'm like, okay, this is going to go for a yard maybe. Oh, wait, no, this went for nine yards. Oh, sweet, second and one. You know what I mean? If he can do that kind of stuff, the Raiders are in business and he's been doing it. The next thing I was looking at as far as mashups are concerned is uh, this weird, unreliable, but when, I mean, Davis Mills has put together some solid drives, but yep. their time of possession is really horrible. And he's going up against a very mediocre secondary in the Raiders. And so it's not like he has these crazy passing threats. Obviously, this Texas team is going to want to try and run the ball. But I think if you want to win the game, you're going to need to see some stuff from Davis Mills. You've been watching the, the Raiders all year long. Are they going to give Davis Mills fits? Are they going to do some of that stuff that you were alluding to by making, maybe getting those backbreaking interceptions or will Davis Mills actually be able to find some success? Because it's been slim pickings as far as the passing game is concerned for the Texans, but there have been flash. They had it against the chargers. There have been flashes of the passing game you saw last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will say that, uh, especially with the Raiders having their, he might not be the number one cornerback as far as, you know, where he is on who he's lined up against, but Nate Hobbs is by far the Raiders best cornerback. He's locked down. He can play on the outside. He can play in the nickel position. He's amazing. He just went on the IR Good news for Texans and the Texans receivers. I, I it's going to be interesting. I, I'm I'm interested to see if the Raiders get Averett back. This you know they had him go out in the first week. I think the Raiders very much so like the Texans are a bend but don't break. They don't get a ton of interceptions, but they do a really good job of getting four and outs. They're going to give up a little bit. Like we'll see chip plays from Davis Mills but they don't get bombed on. You don't really see the Raiders like give up 50, 60 yard touchdowns. They don't really do that. They're good at keeping things in front of them, but they do get chipped to death kind of a little bit. So we saw that a little bit against the Titans, but they can hold them. They can. Yeah. And you see that a lot from them too, when they're playing guys like Herbert and Mahomes, where they're really worried about not letting up the big play. And so they're going to throw those two safeties way back and they're going to yep. just try and keep the whole field in front of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, 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 there was times against the chiefs where Deron Harmon, former Patriot, you know, he's like, I'm like, is this guy playing like actual center field? This dude looks like he's 50 yards away from the line <laughs> of scrimmage. What's going on? Um, but yeah, so it, it'll be, it'll be really interesting. Rocky sin, somebody that the Texans are used to going up against former Colt. He's been really good for the Raiders. So I think we won't see anything big. If I, if I already guess, we won't see anything big from the Texans, but I think that Davis Mills will, have success as far as just getting passes out, but nothing, you know, too substantial. I would assume. This is my favorite matchup of the game. A young, but talented secondary for the Texans against a veteran, really good receiving core for the Raiders. And you have guys, Derek Stingley jr. Top uh, pick in the, in the draft last year for the Texans yep. at quarterback uh, Jalen Petrie out of, uh, uh, at safety, he has been excellent this year. He's looked really, really good this year. Uh, yeah. And so you have those two guys, but you're going up against some real studs 
on the Raiders side of things. Uh, most notably, of course, Devontae Adams. And he's a little bit more of a bigger, he's a very hand-checky. He's good at getting that uh, contact where he's going to fight you through the whole way uh, through the route. You've seen Stingley have some trouble with uh, bigger guys like uh, Pittman, uh, uh, Sutton earlier this year yep. against the Broncos. So uh, I think this is I think this is the heavyweight bout of the game is seeing this young secondary try and contain these pass catchers on the Raiders side of things. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but this is what I'm going to be watching all Sunday long. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, now the Raiders, again, good news for the Texans. Uh, Hunter Renfro didn't practice on Wednesday. You know, Darren Waller not practicing on Wednesday, likely to be out. Foster Moreau will likely be the starter there. Uh, Mac Hollins also limited in practice. So Devontae Adams is going to be a guy that they can key on. They're not going to be really worried about Keelan Cole. Uh, Renfro they're going to be worried about, but more from a possession receiver type thing. But like you said, that's going to be a super fun one to watch. That was awesome to watch when he played Patrick Sertan, who I would say definitely held his own. He did not give up any touchdown, any big plays. So Stingley um, like, is going to be a super fun one to watch against, you know, Devontae Adams and just to see what he comes up with against him. So, but like hope, like we said, it could turn into, you know, just running the ball and just turn into a rock fight in that sense too. Also, does anyone practice on Wednesdays anymore? I feel like everyone, everyone is on the injury report for Wednesday. Does just nobody practice in the NFL on Wednesdays anymore? Is it just rookies? I think once you turn twenty-eight, you just go forget it. I'm not practicing on Wednesdays. <laughs> exactly. I'll practice on Thursday and Friday, and I'll do the walkthrough on Saturday. Forget Wednesdays. That's for the birds. Throwing on pads for Hump Day? Are you crazy? Yeah, exactly. Are you yeah, crazy? No. Forget that. Yeah, I'll, I'll be on the bike if you need me. I just, I feel like, and again, you know this because we're fa- we're fantasy football degenerates. So I'm checking that injury report stuff more than I'd be comfortable admitting. And I feel like no, no one on my fantasy team is playing on a Wednesday. It went from like two weeks into nope. the season. I was like, I think all my, I think my whole team is injured to like last week. I was like, I think I'd be more concerned if they were practicing on Wednesday. Yeah. What's wrong with I, this guy? Is he, is he worried I, about his reps? I know. I, I, I have more cues than um, a Scrabble board. It's insane. <laughs> uh, you know, on my, uh, <laughs> on my fantasy lineup, I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy's not practicing on Wednesday. Well, we'll fill it out on Thursday. If you played on Thursday, then maybe we'd have an issue. But now nah, we'll fill it out Thursday, Friday. We'll fill out Thursday, Friday. All right, let's get to some picks. Raiders are minus seven. The over-under still, I know we were texting about this earlier in the week, but the over-under still at 45 and a half and the, uh, the Raiders still favored by seven. Brennan, I got to say, I'm loving the under as much as I'm loving Houston plus seven, even though I think the Raiders win this game, nothing from these two teams had led me to believe that this will be more than a seven point game. No, especially if the Raiders struggle in the red zone as much as they do and they have some of their pass catchers out. I think it could be a tough game for them. Um, but you know what? For your listeners, just just so that they know that uh, I, I wouldn't mind a field goal battle either. I'm actually from Hawaii, Kaimi Fairbairn. I grew up like 15 minutes away from him. I love a field goal battle. The, the 808 guys, Kamu Grusher Hill. 
Uh, he went to a rival high school. Anyways, I wouldn't mind that either. But yeah, I personally, I could see this going two ways. I could see the Raiders either barely, I could see the Raiders barely winning this, right? Right. Or like, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won by like three, or I wouldn't be surprised if they won by 10. I couldn't see the Texans blowing them out, but if the Texans did win, I would think it would be like really close. Like Texans win by four, Texans win by three. I this, love the under as well. I love the under. That's what this, I thought it would be. This screams of like a 21-16 game to me. Yeah, just disgusting. Where's just, like, <laughs> just like red zone. Oh, red zone forgot about this game. Like, yeah. Like, it's like Hanson, yeah. just don't go to it. Just don't yeah. go to it, Hanson. <laughs> exactly. And and so it's like he'll forget about it and he'll be like, oh, he'll hold his phone up to the screen and be like, the Texans uh, lost to the Raiders. We actually didn't even have a graphic for the score. So I'm just going to, I wrote it out, actually. I wrote it out on Snapchat. I took a picture <laughs> of a black screen on Snapchat. I put 20 to 16. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it going that way. But the, obviously the Raiders fan in me hopes this is a get right game for them, put up a lot of touchdowns, you know, that's what I'm hoping for. And that's what, if the Raiders want to get back, that's what they need to do. What's the drink? If you're if you're making a, a Raiders Texans drink, yeah. what's the, what's the drink that this is? Okay, so now when you when you told me about this, I was like, there's a few things in my mind that I was like, is it like, I'm like, it's nothing with tequila because tequila is bad but fun, and I'm like, yeah. I think this could be ugly. I chose the motor oil shot because <laughs> if you look at the ingredients separately you're like, oh, this sounds pretty good, right? I think the first thing, Jägermeister. Personally, I hate it. Some people love it. Kind of like Derek Carr. You either hate it or you love it, right? Peppermint schnapps, something kind of fun by itself. You don't mind it. That could be like a Devontae Adams. Oh, no, you know what? Goldschlager will be Devontae Adams. We'll have peppermint schnapps be Damian Pierce. Coconut run will be, rum will be Josh Jacobs. You know what I mean? So separately, all these things are fun. When you drink this thing... <laughs> like it's just congealing in your mouth there's nothing good about it together it's like this is a mess what are we doing here why why would we this is such a God, great choice for you to run away with this yeah. this segment is so amazing wonderful pick uh i feel like we went along the same lines a little bit okay. i compared this to a cosmopolitan where okay. again it's hitting it's it kind of looks like like you, when you're looking at it on the menu, it's like, oh, I don't really like this. I don't really like that. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It's It, it kind of has the martini vibes. I've never been a martini person. But, you know, I've mm -hmm. seen the picture and I can kind of talk myself into one or two things about it. And then you get it and it slaps your tongue in yeah. the face. Yep. And then you have a whole drink. And so it's yeah. not it's not like no. a bad shot where you just oh, you take thought it. Oh, you thought you <laughs> it's wanted over. This. It's like, oh. oh, well, that was a mistake. No, no, no. You're yeah. sitting with this mistake for the next couple of hours. Yeah. And you just, every yeah. single time you sip it, you remember that, oh, I, I'm an idiot. I should never have gone here. I should never, what am I, what am I doing here? This, this is, is something, a, <laughs> it's something that you thought you wanted because you heard the word cosmopolitan when your mom was watching Sex in the City. And then when you turned 21, you ordered it at a bar. And then it was like, no, you loser. You're going to finish this because this drink costs you $25. Exactly. And you Enjoy can't, this. it's financially irresponsible for you to leave some of this drink behind. Yeah, exactly. So that's, there we go. <laughs> we have very high opinions of this game, clearly. 
but yeah. there, there we are. That's the, uh, the Houston Texans and the Las Vegas Raiders. We'll be coming back with our hosts, our regular host, Corey and producer Nico after a break and hearing from some sponsors, but Brennan, thank you so much. We'll be Thanks linking so all of his social me. media. Check him out. He's Appreciate a great it. follow through the football season. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a delight. Yeah, I'm so I'm so happy to be here. And again, like I said, I I enjoy the Texans. This this game, I've seen this game happen so many times. The Raiders versus the Texans screams Saturday night wild card matchup. That's what this game has been. And and they have played each other in that game. Um, Derek Carr was hurt. We would have won. Just for you Texans fans, just to let you know if Derek Carr didn't break oh, his thank leg. You. Well, yeah, exactly. But. Hopefully, hoping for a fun game. Let's have points. That's not what we've ha- had on Thursday night. And of course, go Raiders, right? There we go. <laughs> and this whole podcast screams of a cry for help. So somebody please send it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. We'll be back on the other side of the break. Okay, everybody. Let me tell you all about the Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More Adventure Stadium. That's right. And we already know about the great and wonderful comics and, tra- and trading card store they have on the first floor. They also now have on the second floor a sports memorabilia store and sports trading cards. It's awesome. Get up there to the stadium right there at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130, the second floor above the, the original Adventure Begins, and the Marcel Town Center. Make sure to check them out. The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more, the Adventure Stadium. Let me tell you guys about the latest party to hit the Houston scene, Custom Geek Parties. Everything from corporate team-building exercises, geek-themed weddings, RPG parties, board game parties, cosplay parties, and more. Call Gamers Inner Circle Geek Party at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle Geek Party at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle. Are you in yet? It's time to trade in your face masks for masks, load up the hoppers, and go to war with your friends. Too hot? Too rainy? Too cold? Splat Zone Indoor Paintball has you covered. Literally. It's Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Round up the family and get to 11260 Hempstead to check out Splat Zone Indoor Paintball today. Family friendly, low impact activities for everybody. Go check them out. 11260 Hempstead, Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. It's never a good idea to drink and drive, but what if you had a few beers at the game and you know you're not drunk, but you get pulled over and arrested anyway? You need a law firm that knows how to try DWIs. Someone who won't just plead you out quickly. You need a lawyer who has spent hundreds of hours in a hands-on lab course learning the sciences used in DWI cases. A lawyer ACS qualified to be designated a lawyer scientist because these cases aren't like other kinds of cases. Your positive outcomes may very well depend on who better understands and presents the science at trial. Attorney Brian Asen is a designated lawyer scientist, and the lawyers at Asen Law Firm have successfully tried and won many of these cases. Call Asen Law Firm at 832-209-2297. That's Asen Law Firm at 832-209-2297. Or visit DWILawyerHouston.com. Hello, welcome back in. Now I am joined by... The co-host you all recognize, Corey DLG, and of course we have producer Nico on the line as well. Guys, really great discussion with Brennan on the Raiders, getting people prepped from uh, a Raiders fan, getting people prepped for this game. And we've gone over all the the nuts and bolts matchups, but Corey, I wanted to hear from you when you're getting ready for this 
Raiders Texans clash in week seven coming off the bye. What are your expectations for the Texans and, and the product they're going to put out on the field? Yeah, it's definitely a complicated uh, week coming out of the bye week. Lovey Smith has been away as a head coach for a long time, so there's not a lot of good predictors, right? You know, a lot of coaches build some sort of rhythm or consistency about how they come out of their bye weeks. You know, Bill Belichick, I think, was something like something crazy, 18-4 and four or something like that, coming out of his bye weeks for a long, long time. Might not be the same with Tom without Tom Brady now. I don't know, but um, there was like some sort of crazy streak, you know, where good coaches usually win coming out of the bye week. I think Lovey Smith can game plan well, and I don't think the Raiders are that intimidating of a matchup. And I don't really think I don't have a lot of respect for Josh McDaniels as a head coach. I haven't done a good job of hiding that. I don't think he necessarily understands enough of how organizations work to be a good a good head coach. Uh, I think he's a great assistant, but I think that's exactly who he's supposed to be. This is his, what, third, second time head coach, third time, fourth time coaching in the NFL because he keeps going back to the Patriots. Um, I, they're not a very good franchise. I mean, they're just not anymore. I don't. The complicated part is that John Gruden also hadn't done a great job though of building this team up in a way that like filled me with a lot of confidence either. So, you know, when they fired him for his personal stuff, his emails and all that, and then they bring on Josh McDaniels, it doesn't really make me feel like this is a team that's going to be going in any kind of real direction for a while. It feels very Raiders-y. Like, Nico, we've talked about this a couple times. There are teams that are just bad because they're bad, right? Arizona's going to Arizona. Cleveland's going to Yeah, they're never, they're never really going to feel Las like they Vegas can get out of their, just is what it their is. own way. Um, uh, but, but that said... What do I think the Texans? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yeah, if if you told me the Raiders, if you told me the Raiders were like nine and zero, uh, yeah, and like and it makes season, for a weird game too to when you have game. kind of that going Raiders into up. it, uh, and, and the weird stuff that seems to always kind of hang around this team, uh, and then you also have. Uh, a Texans team that really, I mean, they have not com- they have not played one complete game of football. And you look at the te- the Raiders side of things, neither have they. And so, really, it's it's going to come down to which team can put the most complete uh, or the most well played quarters together. Because neither one of them are going to play four great quarters. So really, it's going to come down to which team can play two or three great quarters. Because 
they're both going to give away a quarter to where they're going to let a team back into this game. And I think it's just a matter of who does that and when it comes in the game. Uh, as far as the Texans side of things, though, if you're looking for some encouragement, it feels like they have gotten the handle a little bit on turnovers. And we'll see if that can carry into another week. But you think about before the bye week, they were doing a better job of making sure they didn't have the fumbles, those loose balls, so that they were starting down out, down behind the sticks or the interceptions. They were trying to get a handle on those, just turnovers in general. It felt like there was a less carelessness with the football. And so that might be all the difference because it might come down to just a couple back-breaking turnovers in this game because neither one of these teams are built to come back from uh, an excessive deficit. Yeah, it definitely – it definitely makes me think of like the this Thursday night game that we just had last night, right? Like, okay, so the Cardinals wind up winning the game, but they won by eleven, I think, is the final, and they more than cover the two and a half. But if you take away the two defensive touchdowns, the pick sixes that they had, they lose the game. Um, and that's sort of the their offense. Their there's a lot of teams who don't do enough to win games yet, right? Like, it takes more than just them going out there and running their program in order for them to win. And the Texans are definitely in that category right now. It's not enough that they go out there and just run the offensive game plan. Because if they do that, they're only going to get 13 to 20 points. They don't, they're don't. they not built to score a lot, right? Um, so they need the defense to go out there and run a good program, too. There are some teams that, like Kansas City, can just go out there. If their if their offense runs their program, it almost doesn't matter what the defense does. If they if they go out there and do what they're supposed to do on every drive, the Chiefs will put up 45, 50, and can the other team keep up with them before you even talk about what do the defenses do? So I, the Texans have that problem already, where they're just not deep enough. They're not built enough yet to, to do that. But when you're playing a team like Las Vegas, who you're right, they haven't put together anything yet. They they haven't really shown anyone yet that they deserve to win football games either. So it is kind of a, a curious matchup for the two for the two teams. Uh, what are, what are the numbers here? What's what's the spread? What's the over under? All that good stuff. The spread and this has not moved at least where I the books that I look at <laughs> not moved at all. It is minus seven Raiders. And the over-under is 45 and a half. I haven't seen though either one of those move by even half a point. Mine, that's too much. They're giving the Raiders seven points? Yeah, they're giving the Raiders seven, which it feels like that's pretty easy plus seven on the Texans. I, I don't see either one of these teams winning this game by much more than three. Like maybe one of these teams wins by four. I, I think this is a three-point game if there ever was one. Uh, yeah, I honestly, I, I, I can't fathom a reason why I, I'm sitting around thinking like, oh yeah, totally give up. Um, you know, I, I can't see the Texans losing by more than seven. That, that's, that's a big number. I no, that's too big of a number, I think. Uh, but that's the problem, right? Like Vegas has definitely had a hard time getting these Texans games right, which I feel like has made it easy for me. Uh, so far, the Texas games have been, I think, my better pick. Um, although I've got the, the, a lot of the big Thursday night ones right too. I went one and one this week. I I got the Arizona right, but I didn't have. I had the under. 
And <laughs> the well, law of averages the... finally broke as the announcers said they were like, "We're getting touchdowns today." <laughs> I know it was the it was finally some scoring in a Thursday night game. It it happened at least early on. It happened in the most hilarious way possible too, with like uh, a Taysom Hill touchdown and then pick sixes for the, the early touchdowns. Yeah, and then there were so many like weird calls too. Like I don't know if that two point conversion actually should have counted. It looks like he he's losing the ball when he hits it on the guy's leg and it hits the line. I mean, there's just, it was a, it was a lot of like it was a lot of weird football. Also, Arizona they they can't run like they have no no program whatsoever. I, I'm not sure I understand Arizona's offense. Who said even coming into the game, uh, Al Michaels was like Cliff Kingsbury's an offensive guru. Like I'm waiting for the guru part. Well, that was kind of the the billing on him when he was leaving Texas, a Texas Tech team that was middle of the Big Twelve at best, and getting the USC job before he ditched that for the Arizona Cardinals job. I'm glad you right. brought it running though, because you look at that game and it's going to be the exact opposite for the game on Sunday. I think that you see Damian Pierce and Josh Jacobs both get uh, well over 20 carries. Oh, yeah. If you're the Raiders, the one thing you're definitely circling in this game is that you've got to believe you can run the ball. Uh, I think our rushing defense is, is pretty statistically bad. Uh, I don't know if it's actually, actually, actually that bad. I think statistically that Colts game hurt us and then the Chicago game murdered us. You know, I think I think uh, Jonathan Taylor had himself over 100 yards. And then the very next or two games later, we played the Bears. And the Bears ran for about 300 on us. Since then, I don't know that we've given up that that many yards, but it doesn't it doesn't matter when you have 400 yards in two games. Your average is going to be just tossed to the breeze, you know. Like mm-hmm. we gotta we gotta absorb those numbers back into the average. But yeah, I'm sure if you're the Raiders, you're looking at the metrics and going, oh, we should be able to run. Josh, we're gonna give him a heavy dose of Josh Jacobs. Um, and if you're the Texans, yeah, you're gonna give it to Damian Pierce as much as possible because your option is having Davis Mills throw it if you don't. So. Yeah. Speaking yeah. speaking of Davis Mills, I've got the most challenging question for you. I think that I've ever asked you. Ooh, if the okay. Texans right. if the Texans win, what is Davis Mills' stat sheet look like? Okay, no, that's not actually I think it's I think it's um you know there's been a lot of these weird like never <laughs> Just last year, people were like, we are in the new era of quarterbacks. Jameis Winston had a 500-yard game uh, and was the first quarterback to ever throw for 5,000 yards. And people were like, we are entering the new age of quarterbacking. Uh, meanwhile, on the Texans, First time he's Davis, ever thrown for 5,000 yards. Uh, well, I thought, he, I thought he set some sort of weird like total passing yards record uh, his last year in uh, Tampa. Um, I, I think it, it was a, wasn't he the first one to throw thirty touchdowns and thirty interceptions in a year? Probably that too. It might have been a Tampa Bay record. It might is what it probably was. Yeah. Um, but he, but either way, I mean, when you start talking about like, oh, you got Patrick Mahomes and all these other guys, and everyone's like, yes, we are in a new era of quarterbacking. It's why receivers are going to have a harder time getting to the Hall of Fame and stuff like that, right? Like all the numbers are blown up. Well, then we have a guy like Davis Mills. And we're like, the last four games of last year, he was one of the best rookie quarterbacks in, um, in the NFL. And then they circle the games. And one of the games they circle is a game where he throws for 200 yards. <laughs> and they're like, he plays great quarterback. And you're yeah. like, okay, okay, well, 
can we get one of the quarterbacks to throw us for 400 yards when he's a good quarterback? Like, um, we can win games with him going, you know, 13 and 19 for 250, 230 yards, something like that. We can win those games. Um, we'll, where we'll lose games is if there's marks in the fumbles lost and interceptions categories from him. So if we beat the Raiders, it's going to be like a 15 of 20, 215 yards. Let's say one touchdown because, I, I mean, I, I like him. I want him to do well. I, I want to root for him. Uh, so let's say he does that. And that's why we win, you know, uh, 20 to 13 over the Vegas Raiders. So is that the pick, 20 to 13? You're taking yeah, the under in the points? Win. I'm taking the under and I'm taking us to win outright. I'm not, I don't want the points. I think we're going to win the game. All right. There, there you have it. There's the pick from Corey. I, I'm, I'm taking plus seven and I'm taking the under. It feels like a, it feels like a 21, 16 Raiders game, maybe 20, like a 19, 21 Raiders game, something like that. But I, I think the Raiders are a little more desperate. Nico, what do you think? What's your pick? Uh, I'm I'm taking the Texans on this one. I think that the the plus seven is just too easy. And also, uh, let's just I'm just gonna pick the over to be a little bit contrarian. And also, just uh, apparently terrible teams can just score a million points out of nowhere. So you'll be surprised. So you're going over, huh? Mm-hmm. As, as always, well, I mean, the believer. We are due for some like the league is due for some big scoring games. Uh, if this Thursday night game is any indicator, maybe maybe that the lid will finally come off because some of these games have just been. I mean, some of these have been awful, awful games. To I can't imagine. I'm so glad this year we didn't buy season tickets, my family. So, like, my sister and I usually split season tickets, and I would be up in the stands watching these kind of games right now and just losing my mind. So I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled we didn't do it this year. Um, so, yeah. No, I, I – listen, if I believed we were capable of scoring the points, I would take the overs. I just – I've seen zero evidence that we're ever going to turn it on. Yeah, I. There's a first for everything, Corey. You're not wrong. Like they have to start at some point. I and the Raiders would be a great team to start on, but and I think Colton, I think you're with me here. I just don't see enough. They just I, haven't I think done you've enough seen, offensively. I have. I think you've only seen one flash during that Chargers game, and other than that, they seem pretty happy with, uh, with playing ball control and trying to trying to grind out a game. Yeah, I don't think they ever want to go out there and be like, Davis, take it away from them. I think they want to go out there and be like, okay, everyone, stay patient, stay cool. Let's go 15 plays, nine minutes. Let's go down. Don't overextend. Right, exactly. And I, I don't have a problem. I Listen, The okay, I'm in, talk, I'm in talk therapy. One of the first things a therapist will tell you is one of the hardest things to do is learn your own limitations. So it's, it's really important that a head coach knows what a team can't do. Uh, and so while – while it might sound great on a soundbite to be like, yeah, go out there and take it away from them. It probably is a better thing when a coach is like, all right, guys, let's all stay patient. Let's we practice this a hundred times. Let's just go out there and steal the clock. Like, yeah, know what your limitations are. Get out there and do what you can do. Not what you want to be able to like, like by all means, have a vision board, have some dreams, but, but <laughs> in the moment, be realistic. Dream big kid. Yeah. Dream big, but you know, Know that you're not. Know that it's Davis Mills back there, not Patrick Mahomes. 
No, I, I agree. And those are the picks for week seven. Before we head out here, uh, we do have to touch on some big news tonight. Christian right. McCaffrey. Let's scooped here. Yeah. He, the C- CMC, the Stanford product, is going back to the West Coast. He's been traded for a package of picks from the Carolina Panthers to the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, the 49ers uh, have one of the more exotic run schemes in the NFL, uh, spearheaded by Kyle Shanahan, their head coach. And now it seems, on paper, they have a running back to actually carry out that that dream that they have at running back after having a lot of running backs that were good but clearly plagued with injuries or uh, turnover issues. Now they seem to have their running back on paper. Corey, what do you think of this move? Uh, I think you kind of circled it but then went the other way. I honestly, 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 I think this is a meaningless, worthless move for both teams. I don't think it matters at all. Christian McCaffrey For both been, teams? Both teams. I think Christian McCaffrey has been one of the most injury-prone players in the last two years of any of any running back in the NFL. I think it's he's missed 23 of his last 32 eligible games. Um, he, he's a guy who his first two years was one of the most impressive running backs. But now I think he he's damaged his body, and I think the load is is too much. And by the way, as we all there was a moment where Kyle Shanahan was one of the most creative offensive minds in the NFL. I don't think that's ever in debate. But I think post that Atlanta Super Bowl where he was the offensive coordinator, and they were up on the Patriots, and then the Patriots came back and won it. He then goes to San Francisco, and since then. I don't know that he's ever lived up to the hype of being that creative, offensive-minded guy. Um, they they blew up a lot of their draft capital to get Trey Lance. That has been perhaps one of the most devastatingly bad experiment in the NFL. They had they are going into this draft now with no picks uh, before the fourth round. None. And then for Carolina, yeah, I don't think it matters because I think all those extra picks are going to equate to a bunch of no, a bunch of also nobodies because I don't think they have the the, the talent in their front office to, to, to convert picks into players. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think it's a headline. I think Christian McCaffrey is a name. Well, I mean. But I don't think that this is going to matter I mean, for, for team. For the, the Panthers, they just want a bunch Not of picks. Not in any significant so way. So I feel like it makes sense for them. They, they don't care about the games at all. Yeah, they got they got three draft picks this draft and a draft yeah. pick next draft. The draft pick next draft, I think, is a fourth or fifth rounder, and it's a second, third, and fourth this year. And Ideally, But it doesn't matter third, if they, they can't or not. That's the promise of a I don't, potential I don't and future youth and, and uh, future wins they say see out in the future this team isn't winning and so they need to sell the good pieces for draft capital that part makes sense uh as no, far I, I agree as I far agree. as what you said about the 49ers and the McCaffrey I marriage don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's relevant for I don't I don't, I don't want to agree, agree with you because I love McCaffrey uh I really do I love McCaffrey 
Again, another another guy. I'm such a big college football <laughs> fan. Another guy where I struggle most... to get past the blinders of the the season that I I watched every down of him at Stanford when he broke Barry uh, Sanders' record, uh, the the yards from scrimmage record in college, and then I watched him. I sat. I exact. I remember exactly where I was in a dorm, watching with uh. A bunch of friends and this huge Iowa fan who was really – and that was the year that Iowa – one of the many years that Iowa was fake good where they won a bunch of games against nobodies and then got destroyed in a bowl game. And Christian – and he was a real – he was kind of a jerk about it. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and they go out there and they lay an egg. And Christian McCaffrey just absolutely ruined that team. And <laughs> so like... I, yeah, so I, I, all that to say, I really like Christian McCaffrey, but he's struggled to yeah, stay healthy yeah. in the NFL. Uh, and now he's joining a team where they have all these complex run schemes and stuff like that, but they've struggled to keep running backs healthy. I don't know if it's some weird fluke thing or if it's the system they run, or maybe if it's their, uh, it, I don't know what's going on with their medical staff. I don't know, but it's this weird marriage of a core or a running back that can't stay healthy and a team that can't keep its running backs healthy. Am I supposed to expect the world out of that? Uh, it's, it's very strange. I don't know how to feel about it. Uh, I mean, when you see this team come together, they made a super, they did make a super bowl run when they were actually able to keep everyone healthy, but that seems to be the more of the one-off than the actual standard that the team has. And uh, I, I don't know. And they don't even they don't even trust themselves in that regard because they did make that Super Bowl run and then they want to turn around and they want to get rid of the guy who took him there, Jimmy Garoppolo. So this is a team I think Kyle Shanahan is one of those guys. Yeah. Do you remember Mike Martz? Who took over for Dick Vermeil in St. Louis. Dick Vermeil built the greatest show on turf. Mike Martz inherited the greatest show on turf. And for the first two or three years, when Marshall Falk and Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt and Kurt Warner were all healthy, he was one of the greatest offensive minds in football because he could throw an 80-yard pass out of almost any formation and situation. I formation, one one receiver wide. Oh, it's still an 80-yard pass for a touchdown. That had a lot to do with the fact that Isaac Bruce, Kurt Warner, Torrey Holt, and Marshall Falk were four of the best people at their positions at that moment. Um... Kyle Shanahan, I think, is going to wind up being a Mike Martz in the sense that hailed for this greatness, but it was because at that instant there were so many talented people there. When pre that Super Bowl, Matt Ryan was a was a premier quarterback, and Julio Jones was a premier wide receiver, and Freeman and the other running back were playing at a high level. Um, they had a, they just were full of talented people on offense, so of course. They, ex- they exceeded expectations and excelled. Well, now that everyone's gotten their, their roses and gotten their promotions and gotten their opportunities built on that, now that they have to go somewhere else and reprove it, they've all kind of struggled to do so. Matt Ryan included and everyone else included. Um, Julio Jones is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, and that's not working out for anybody either. So, like, it is an issue that I think Kyle Shanahan might – while he was always the creative guy when he was the offensive coordinator, as the head coach, it's never been the case that people are like, yeah, he's he's so smart offensively. 
Um, and so I keep waiting for San Francisco to have one of those yeah, years it's, again. It's a weird trade. I but guess we'll see how it plays I mean, out. But I don't know. Like the Trey Lance thing. The... Now that they've been without first round draft picks for a little bit, and now now they don't even they don't have a they don't have a day one or day two draft pick now. I think in the media it's going to be a celebrated move. I think people are going to hail him as smart. I think he got him without giving up a first or second, which people are going to say is impressive. I think he, you know, you're not giving up a lot to get him with a third, fourth, and fifth, and another fifth, another day. Like that's another year. I mean, that's any coach would give those up for a starting running back of Christian McCaffrey's alleged caliber. The problem is, is he's he hasn't performed at that level in a long time, and neither of the 49ers. I would keep the expectations low as well. All right, guys, that's that's it for us. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Uh, make sure you're subscribing wherever you find your podcasts and enjoy your weekend. We'll be back here on this feed on Monday. That's another installment of Battle Red Radio.